So last week we were uh, talking about asking. Had some good things just now about asking and the outcome, weren't we? Yeah. Um, remember last week I talked about teaching and equipping. Uh, teaching might be uh, giving the information or giving the what's necessary for equipping. Obviously, the goal of teaching is always change rather than just information. But we talked about equipping was when we actually um, do or apply the thing that we're hearing. So last week, there was a lot about uh, asking and uh, the guarantee of receiving. And the equipping was when we asked, if you remember, uh, many of you joined in, and asked for the wisdom of God, uh, which we'd spent some time defining as being uh, this new word that I made up, godliness, basically um, becoming more like him, more equipped uh, by him, uh, more uh, representative of him, uh, more of his character, more of his life. And uh, many of you joined in and, and asked that, and of course... That has um, very real outworkings, manifestations, practical applications. Uh, but I just thought it'd be good. Uh, did anybody ask last week? Anybody receive anything? It'd be good to hear. Yeah? Yeah? Nobody? You're all, you're all conning me? Oh, yes, somebody there, yeah. Oh, someone there, yes. So, yeah. Basically, you remember, we joined in that prayer at the end and said we would like to be asking God. Anybody join in that? If you joined in that prayer, could you just sort of indicate to me? No, 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 put your hands down. Could you just put your hand just there? Can anybody feel a heart that's beating? <laughs> if you can feel a heart that's beating, could you put your hand up? Four, five, okay. All right. Let's pray for the raising of the dead. All right. Let's try again. Anybody join in that prayer last week? Asking God? Yeah, you know, I, I can't see quite so well from this position, so you, you'd need to kind of put your hand right up. Okay, all right. Anybody receive anything? Okay. Oh, hmm. Anybody like to tell us about what they received? Bless you, Andy. I can always depend on you, mate. <laughs> okay. Oh, another person. Right. Come on, Andrew. Get that, get that mic, please. And take it to, to Jeremy. Take it to Jeremy. Hello. Um... 
yeah, I guess one of the things I received was um, the awareness that I need more wisdom, if that makes sense. So, like, I was really struck by the idea that the wisdom from above is about being submissive and, and humble and realizing that you need, you always need more of God's wisdom. And I've just been very aware of how lacking wisdom I've been. And so I've been constantly asking for it. Um, and I think that's part of God teaching me to rely on him. So, okay, yeah. revelation of, of need and what God has got for you. Andy? For me, it was this idea that this wisdom has got to be active. And uh, this week, I've had one of the busiest and most productive weeks of my life for ages. So I'm not sure that I did the right thing. <laughs> but uh, and this is it. I mean, it's no good just being able to sit down in a room with it and be wonderful, wise like some guru. It's for out there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely meaningful application, yeah. Uh, Lucy? Over to where Lucy November is. Thanks, Andrew. Um, yeah, same thing really in, in terms of just kind of coming to God humbly and saying I don't really have it because we had house group this week and I just felt like I didn't have anything to bring and I didn't really know what to do in house group and just said to God, I don't really want to do it. But I just, but following on from Sunday, just ask you for help and wisdom and grace and, and you know, we, we just came together and God was with us and it was just a really real time of being with God and and I felt like you can kind of put something together yourself that kind of looks good you know like you plan it all out which is fine but if you come and go and asking God God we just want to be with you we just want to hear you we just want to receive from you but we can't make it happen ourselves and that's what happened for us. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Julia? Oh, I don't know about you. When John said, who, who got prayed for? Of course, I, I said, oh, yes, I prayed and I got prayed for. But then to say what I received, I thought, oh, what's happened this week? I haven't remembered. I can't even think what it was. So I didn't put my hand up. And I thought, well, I could feel condemned or I could feel oh no that was a waste of time you know a week's gone by and nothing's happened and yet I didn't feel that I felt that God had really helped me last Sunday so I'm choosing just to think well Lord I knew that you were speaking and I really did pray uh, openly the fact that I can't quite remember what it was I received to me actually does it matter? I just feel that I just want to acknowledge that you have touched my life and you are touching my life. And even today, even though I cannot remember perhaps what happened last week, I know that you were working your work and you are working your work in me. And I suppose I might just say today, Lord, as I'm hearing what John's saying today, let it be something that sticks. And you know, if I'm being careless with these words or careless with what you're bringing, Lord, help me to have more... Um, resilience, as it were, and persistence and perseverance in, in taking you seriously, God, that I'm not just taking things lightly. I would say that's a very clear answer. You know, it, it's, it's God uh, 
adjusting a position so that we're not, uh, Julie said, I don't want to be casual. I don't want to kind of be asleep in, in the day. I want to be switched on to what God is doing. Thank you, Andrew. Put that back for me. Thank you. All right, let's carry on a little bit then. So we're in James chapter 1. Remember, I've encouraged you to look at this and wait on God in it yourselves. Uh, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 nations scattered among, 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, and remember, we spent some time last week defining um, what this wisdom was. Wisdom was not kind of knowing the answers or being smart. It was basically as defined uh, in chapter 3. Uh, so it's, in summary, uh, we said it was godliness. It was more of God, more of his character, more of his life, more of his light. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. I think that's about where we got to. That's, that's good, isn't it? That was the promise that it will be given. Uh, the promise that it's nobody's excluded. Anybody who asks can receive. Can receive development in God to be more godlike. Uh, and being more godlike may be um, an ability to tune in. Kind of something that Julia was just talking about tuning into his wavelength. Picking up what he's saying. And it will be given to him. Then there's a but. But happily last week we didn't get to the but. But this week we have to get to the but. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. See, I like that first bit. That, that guarantee of receiving. I don't like the whack around the ear roll. You know, kind of feels like that. But then, since God is not like that, we have to understand what this is. So, all right. Look, we've understood it's totally futile to try and uh, understand the mind of God. Why did he do this? I don't understand what he's doing. That is completely futile. Nobody has been equipped to understand the mind of God. You are told not to try and understand, lean not to your own understanding. You are equipped to trust, not to understand. Uh, so it has to be an issue of trust and obedience. Now, having said that, having understood that trying to access the mind of God is not part of what he's equipped us to, 
it feels as though there are some tips to help us here. Let's look at it again. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Uh, okay, so how are we going to do that? How are we going to make sure we believe and not doubt? Uh, can we kind of, I don't know, work that up? Um, maybe perhaps if, if I just ask when I've been in, a, um, in, a, in the right setting, perhaps in a meeting or with some people and been encouraged and I, I'm feeling positive, maybe if I, just, if, if I just ask at that point, I might be in a good believing place. Um, or maybe I could ask, get somebody else to do the asking who's better at believing. Or maybe I could just build this up a bit and, and, and you know, if I kind of say hallelujah a lot and, and, and uh, maybe speak in tongues for a bit, somehow I can get to this place of, of believing and not doubting. How can I generate this? Maybe if I kind of close my eyes and clasp my hands and go, hum, that might do it. Uh, maybe I've got to get to some uh, altered state of consciousness uh, there's got to be some place where I can achieve this of, of believing and, and, and not doubting. Well, see, the problem with all those things, it boils down to a, a complete disqualification of what God requires. Of course, it actually means by self-effort. Somehow, I can propel myself into the appropriate state. And we know that God has called us to live by his strength, to live by his grace, so that trying to kind of get into a place. I don't know that anybody could ever achieve getting into a place in terms of uh, the effort involved. Um, so it's not going to be like that. So let's have a little look uh, and try and unstack this a little bit because this is very important. Because we've all just... Uh, been encouraged at the fact of the promise that we can ask and receive, but then there's some tips about how we ask. And it's important because if I was to say to you, how many people have asked and not received? Would you be able to say, yes, I've asked and not received? Could you put your hand up if you've asked and not received at any time? Yeah. Actually, to be honest, everybody who said they'd asked and then everybody who didn't say they'd received should be in that category. I mean, I'm talking something current, unless you've refused to talk to me, and which, you know, that's your, your privilege if you want, don't want to do that. But here's the point I'm getting at. If we ask and don't receive, and we're aware that that's what's happening, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, we need these tips. What is it that somehow helps us into a place of not only asking, but actually receiving? Because I don't know if, it, if you're like me, but if I ask, I want to receive. Yeah? If I say, please give me that book, I'm not just saying it for the sake of it. I'm saying it because I, I want to get it, yeah? Well, that's how we are, Yeah? I'm not saying anything sort of too off the wall, am I? Please give me 
some baked beans on toast. <laughs> I am wanting to get baked beans on toast. Yeah? You're looking at me as though... I do love you. <laughs> and, and you know, we don't get, we're not heavy with this stuff. But this is about us going further into what God's got for us. And I want that for you and you want that for me. That we might move on in the purpose of God. Because otherwise it's a nice sunny day. It's not that warm, but it's better to have been out than being in, really. But if we could receive something more of what God's got for us, rather than just hear about it, then I'm buying into that. I want the, the living experience of asking and receiving, not just knowing about it. So, what does it say? All right. Um, hmm, but when it must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of a sea blown and tossed. So we looked into this, and let's look at these things because they're, they're very helpful. When you go into the root word, it's uh, the word uh, wavering, which actually, interestingly, we touched on last week, uh, part of the wisdom of God is not wavering. Um, and it, I think it becomes more significant. Actually, one of the words that comes from that is vacillating. Uh, you all know what vacillating means. No? Oh, all right. Um, vacillating is a form of oscillating. <laughs> you know when you've got a fan, you know, a fan that, that uh, you'd have standing on your table or something like that, goes one way, then it goes the other, and then it goes one way, goes the other. It's kind of, well, it's oscillating, but it's kind of one way, then the other. It's a sort of form of vacillating. Yeah? Is that okay? Yeah, good. Uh, yeah. Given the scientific explanation there. I mean, we can start off uh, in one motive and then find that we've ended in another. Um, I might start off with a, a motive to help Nathan, but actually, by the time I've finished, I'm really helping myself because I'm really discharging the frustration that I've got with him in the first place. Now, this is a made-up story, all right? See, it's, it's easy to get switched in motive. And we live in a world, and we've got to understand this, where kind of sort of double-mindedness, changing your mind, uh, vacillating one thing, then the other, is quite normal. So we're talking about breaking out of something which is natural, normal situation. We can start off in the spirit and end up in the flesh. We can start off even... In the gifts of the Spirit, we start off in the Spirit, and then we can add something which is just coming out of our own kind of uh, emotion or our own kind of mentality. It's interesting, when we come to it, we'll look at it some more, but in James 4 it says, uh, when you ask, you don't receive, because you ask with a wrong motive, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So, what, what God is doing here is helping us not only into an encouragement to ask, but actually into a new place of receiving. 
He's equipping us with an ability to receive. Now, <clears throat> you would have heard me talk about this before, but I find this is a better way to define it rather than trying to build up this believism thing. Um, and that is that if, and think about the double-minded thing, if we ask, but we've got a kind of backup plan, Lord, will you give me this? But you know what? If he doesn't, I've got a backup plan. Basically, what I'm, what I'm seeing here is this is what God is saying to us. He doesn't work with backup plans. It, no plan B. It has to be that we come and we're asking in, in a total dependency upon him. So try and sort of purge from your thinking this idea of, of getting into an, a, a greater state of believing with more powerful hallelujahs or whatever the case may be. But rather that we're coming asking without a backup plan, without something up our sleeve. And I've asked PJ to uh, tell us uh, an actual example of how God helped him not to pick up a backup plan. In an unusual, well, not so much unusual for him, but for most of us, we don't regularly get arrested. Well, um, when I went to Freetown in um, April last year, um, it was to help with the trans transition um, of the work there. And it became quite a big thing. And the guy who was, who was head um, of, the, of the project then wanted to use all sorts of ways to, to you know, to, to quell the, the situation. But before we went, you know, we, um, Prince and I, we really prayed and we felt like God gave us about six tools, which was, uh, one of them was, um, you know, relying on him, um, honesty, integrity, and, you know, all those sorts of things that we're going to deal, deal with the situation. And we, we, we prayed about, about it and we said, this is what, what the way we're going to go. We're going to rely on God in this matter. So though we had, um, you know, people that we could call on, um, various um, contacts of my father to resolve the thing, we said, no, we're going to rely on God. Now, that's all good, but then when 6 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, you get police officers coming to arrest you um, for theft, <laughs> you kind of think, ooh, um, I think I could probably call someone. But... You know, we, 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 we decided, you know, we're going to rely on God. So we went to the police station, spent the whole day there, and they um, let, us, let us out and said we should um, go to the head office, to the CID headquarters. And I don't know what had, what had happened there, what, you know, arrangement had happened. But as soon as we got there, this um, head of the CID just started been very aggressive. I asked Jamie to describe him, and he described him in a word that I won't use. But um, <laughs> it was it, it was that that level of um, of aggression. So we we're still we, we. I get back home, and then I get a phone call from one of the pastors, and he's saying, "Right, PJ, call um, AIG Kalia, you know, the Assistant Inspector General. Like he'll get this all um, sorted. You know, this you shouldn't you shouldn't be worrying about this. Yeah." And I thought. I could, you know, I could take this as a simple out, or I could rely on God, and that's what we felt. And so we felt, no, we're not going to use any influence. 
we are going to just rely on what God, God has said. So um, we, we were meant to go to the office the, the following day at the um, headquarters. And as soon as I'm entering to go to, to, um, to this invitation at the, at, the, at the headquarters, the person I meet was the AIG. And he's just standing there. He's just like, hey, PJ, how are you? I'm like, I've, yeah, I'm fine. Um, did you come to see me? No. He said, okay, come up to my office. So we, we chat for, for, for a bit. And then I'm like, okay, I'm late for an appointment downstairs. Like, um, and he's like, no, tell me about it. I said, I'll tell you when I come back. He's like, no, tell me now. So I'm like, okay. So um, I explained the whole situation to him. And he just said, okay, what here. And he calls, he just calls the, the guy, and the guy comes up. He's like, yes, sir. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so, um, and he just says, so why have you ignored these lines of inquiries? You know, like, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done this? Actually, um, you don't have any case against these guys. Um, just drop it. And I, that was just the end of it. <laughs> Yeah, he could have called this guy. It's a, it was a friend of his father's, and the, it would have fixed it, but he would have then been operating in plan B. What he's saying is God has spoken about how they should be and chose to stick to that, and God showed what he would do in that situation. He asked and received. I think it's just important that we, we keep these things earthed in a real world, in real practicalities. So... We're looking at here, so let's take an everyday thing. You get to, uh, you know, towards the end of the week and um, you need some groceries and you don't have the money. Um, so let's say, let's say I was in that situation. Lord, please help, I need these groceries. Um, of course, I could, I could ask Nathan... Maybe not. I could ask. I could ask Nathan. He he would give it to me. The. I'm not saying God wouldn't supply, through somebody as He supplied in this situation with PJ. What I believe is, if we come to God to ask, and we've got, but if God doesn't deliver, I'll ask, so and so. I'll ask Nathan, or I'll get this. I'll get it this way. We're coming in what I call, or what the Bible calls, the wavering, the doubting, the double-minded. And that is the thing, the tip which God is giving us in his word, uh, that if you ask in this way, you, you don't receive. But if you ask with a dependency upon me, without a plan B, if God does not deal with this, if God does not meet this need, I'm completely scuppered. Then that's the way he wants us to come to him. So that our dependence, our dependency is always on him without an alternative and without a plan B. Very important that we understand that the essence of what this scripture is, is not about how much we can get into a, a place of believism, but how prepared we are to be uh, completely dependent upon God. You know, it can work in a lot of ways. We get a thought from God. Um, and 
and we can act on it or we can end up in that place of, of doubt. I think I should invite someone to this event or to dinner. Oh, no, I don't think they'd want to come. Or maybe they'd be busy. Well, if we do the thing that God's given us to do, rather than allow the bombardment of other thoughts, or have the other thoughts, but there's a difference between uh, a doubt, which is a thought, and a doubting, which is that placed into action. And it's important that we make sure that we do what God gives us to do. How do we come to this? Well, I think the issue of expectation is very critical. Um, Bible says here about uh, believe and not doubting, expecting. In fact, in a sense, you could say to expect is the opposite of doubt. If I ask Alan and I expect that he will give me, Alan, would you come and, um, I don't know, paint my wall? My understanding of Alan and his attitude towards me would be the, 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 the prevailing issue. Well, I know, I think he's a, I'm not going to ask him, he's a lazy so-and-so and, you know, uh, he don't do anything and what have you. <laughs> See, we come back to focusing on who we're asking. What is the nature and what is the disposition of who we're asking? See, if we, and I, I think we touched on that a little bit uh, in what we heard with those um, examples earlier on, those uh, people that shared with us, that we're actually asking with an expectation. Just think for a minute. What is God's position or disposition to you? Hmm? How, would you how would you say it? Just turn to somebody and tell them, what, how is God disposed towards you? What is his attitude to you? What, what, what does he feel about you? All right, what did you get? What's his attitude towards you? Anybody? Loved you? On your side? Willing to express his love in giving to you? Cares for you? Uh, dependable? Yeah? I mean, we could go on and on and on. Now, if who he is informs our expectation, it begins to completely wipe out the issue of doubt. Or perhaps he wouldn't care. Perhaps he wouldn't want to. Perhaps he's not interested. All those things are wiped away when we actually settle his position or disposition towards us. So expectation becomes the very opposite to doubting. I can expect because I know he's loving and he wants to give, he's powerful, he's listening. In fact, when you come to think of it, faith could be described as expectation uh, or one of the aspects of it. So if I said um, to Dawn, can I, can I have 
some water, please. I would be doing it because I know that her heart is, yes, she would be willing to give and she'd be willing to help and willing to serve in order to do that. This position is absolutely critical. So then, what do we do with these other things, these other thoughts, which can cause to doubt? Well, what does the Bible say about rather than bringing every thought into captivity? See, we may have the thoughts, but we don't have to live in the doing. So I may, for a moment, or for longer, have a thought, well, maybe uh, God's busy, or uh, maybe uh, the way I'm looking for it isn't. Yeah. They can be thoughts, but we have to choose whether we're going to bring those into captivity. Um, the danger, otherwise, is we're asking, either with plan B or with ready-made excuses about why it shouldn't be, why it shouldn't happen. Take all thought into captivity. That has a wider application. We live in a world where we're bombarded with thoughts through advertising, through uh, things we hear, the things we read, the things we see, through internet, all those things. Living in a world where if we don't take thoughts into captivity, we can end up being drawn into all sorts of things which we really know we don't want to go there. Drawn into things like... Good question, David. How do you take a thought into captivity? Well, it must be mind over matter. But wait a minute, we don't believe in that. So how do you do that? Well, there's a, a very, very complicated, highly technical response to that. God help, I don't want to go down this road. I choose, Lord, not to not to pursue this line of thinking. Please help me. Because remember, God can do more in us than we can do in ourselves. Whether the thought is a thought of, of worry or anxiety or negativity or uncleanliness, that's a major area that, that the enemy would seek to bombard through every direction, leading into pornography and all that sort of thing. See, if... If sin no longer has dominion over us, then the sin, which is internal rather than external, and remember when, when God's talking about the new covenant uh, through Jesus, he's saying, you know, you've heard that it's wrong to commit adultery. But now I'm saying to you, if you look upon someone to lust, you've already committed adultery in your own heart. So, the standard was raised to such a level that it's impossible to live at that level without the power of God. So the idea that we could actually do it by the strength of our character or by the loudness with which we can say hallelujah or the amount of which we can speak in tongues or any of those things is completely foolish. But our dependency is always on God, which is why the asking thing is so critical and so important. So we say, Lord, you know what we've said before, 
This is why I'm making a, a definition between uh, a thought and something which is continued into a doing, even a, a continued thinking process. You remember we talked about you can stop a bird, you can't stop a bird landing on your head, but you can stop it building a nest there. It's a choice. It's a choice. I choose not to pursue that avenue of thought. Or I'm flicking through the channels and there's something which, wait a minute, I choose not to dwell on that. Okay? Or I'm looking at things coming up and looking for something on the internet. Something comes up. I choose not to do that. By the power of God, Lord help me, I can either move, press the next button or uh, decide to move on. Now some people have said to me, they find it helpful to focus on something positive at that point. Maybe, uh, maybe the risen Lord or whatever, whatever it may be. I, I mean, that's to the individual. What I'm saying is, good question David, is that it brings us back to saying, there is nothing that we can really effectively do outside of, wait a minute, because we've already said, if we have plan B, we don't receive. It's this utter recognition, Lord, help me please. Dependency upon him. So asking him, taking every thought into captivity. Bible says, otherwise, as a man thinks, so he is. Now let's just, just, just think a little bit about this doubting thing. Because I don't suppose, if we were honest, I don't suppose any one of us has been in a place where we've not doubted. Doubted something or some aspect or something like that. We have to understand that God has made provision for that as well. And the provision, again, is not some form of believism. The position is to ask him. Remember the story of Thomas in John chapter 20. Uh, he's always called Doubting Thomas. I think it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate name that's been given to him. I'd rather call him Honest Thomas. Because you remember um, the Lord, after uh, he'd, he'd risen from the dead, appeared to the disciples and Thomas wasn't there. You remember that story? And they're very, very excited and told Thomas about it. Um, and, uh, and they're all sort of uh, high as a kite because they've seen the risen Lord and they've seen him and it's been very real and Thomas missed the meeting or whatever it was. Basically, Thomas at that point says, you know, now I'm, I'm just changing the words a bit. Thomas said, you know, I know what I'm like. I know there's no way that I can believe it because you believe it. There's no way that I can actually live in the good of this because you have seen him. I need to see him myself. I will otherwise be in a place of doubt. What did he do? He confessed and he was open about it. And what does Jesus do? He comes and especially says, Thomas, come here. Put your finger in the nail prints in my hand. There was a similar story where there was this man who had a son that was um, uh, demon-possessed and the disciples had tried to cast the demons out and they, they hadn't been able to do that. And it was horrific. And it, it, this, this, ch this child was 
was a real spectacle. It was a horrific situation. And he brings his son to Jesus and Jesus says, Lord, can you do anything? Um, and he said, well, yes, I, all things are possible to them who believe. And I always find a very, very interesting discourse. Clearly, he was inclined to believe because even after the, the whole business with the disciples, he's actually still bringing his son to Jesus. So he said, well, I do, but I don't. I got doubt. And the amazing thing is, is instead of being uh, penalized, instead of being turned aside, instead of, being, instead of being rejected, because he was prepared to be open and say, help me with my unbelief. Lord, help me with my doubts. In the same way as Thomas was prepared to be open and say, look, this is where I am. I need help. God comes to people who are open and ask, even if the asking is about doubting in believing in the first place. So there is a, a, a same or similar decision or action to take place there. Lord, help me. I don't want to dwell in doubts. I choose to focus on who you are and your disposition towards me, and I choose not to dwell in some alternative plan up my sleeve, some plan B. Kind of underlines how important this is. Um, because it goes on to say, he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Double-mindedness is connected here with how we come to God. Double-mindedness is not a, an attractive position. Double-mindedness is something that is very much in the world in which we live. But it's not what God calls us to be, engaged in his wisdom, receiving his godliness unstable in all our ways. See, you can track this back the other way. Say, you know what? I'm finding an instability in my life. I'm finding I'm tending to kind of uh, vacillate or fluctuate or waver. I really, I don't, really want that, that's not, a, that's not a good state to be. Now let's work it back. Where does it come from? This instability, this I'm okay at one point and then I'm not okay. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm positive and I'm looking in, the, in, the, in a positive way one minute and then I'm changed into another. Where, where, the, where is this coming from? Well, it's coming from this lack of godliness. It's coming from this lack of godliness. It's coming from the fact of we're kind of, instead of committing wholeheartedly to him and to depend on him, to receive from him, 
may be dwelling in the doubts or allowing a plan B, an alternative. If he doesn't, I'll get it this way. If, it, if, if God doesn't provide, if I don't receive from him, then I'll find a different way to do it. I think it's absolutely critical to see that uh, these things are not just niceties that actually lead to things which we really don't want and they're not comfortable in our lives. This is God helping us. So let me say I said to PJ, do you want to come round to dinner on Thursday? He say, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll let you know. Okay, maybe he's, you know, thinks he might get an invitation from the Queen or something like that, and he doesn't want to be pre-booked. What is he doing? He's thinking, no, but I want to wait and see what, what Richard and Lucy have got for dinner that night, because it might be better. Or uh, Pax might give me a, an invite, and I, I mean, I might get food which, you know, is more culturally acceptable. Or he's keeping his options open. The problem with that is there's, a, there's an introduction of wavering. There's a, a stepping on the path to double-mindedness. There's a, a kind of almost the opposite of bringing those alternatives into captivity. We've got to be careful that when we look at what seems to be natural and reasonable, it's natural and reasonable. It doesn't mean that it's godly and what he wants. Following me? Yeah. It's interesting how we see is that there is not just information, there's an equipping to enable us to be more like him. And it, you feel that it's kind of, of course, it's, we only ever move in God because of what God does, because he opens up to us so that we can embrace. But you feel it's like something big that's got to happen over here rather than something actual and real that is happening in the present. We can choose, out of the things we're looking at today, to avoid double-mindedness, to avoid wavering, to not have plan B, and to be equipped in a whole new way to be receiving from God simply by settling to be utterly dependent on Him, having no alternative up our sleeve, not keeping our options open. One more thing. And again, we've heard this earlier on. If I ask Nathan, give me some water, and I get more focused on the water than what God may have, he may be offering me Costa coffee. Or he may have it hidden 
but I can't receive that which is potentially better because I'm focused on something else. Now, if on the other hand, I'm focused on he will give me whatever is best, I'm open to receive something as an alternative to what I'm asking for. Let's come back to what Phil brought us at the beginning of the meeting, that we can be focused so much on the thing that we miss out what the, the, the giver who has a much better plan has for us. See, it comes back to this, vital that we're focused on the heart of who we're coming to rather than the objective just of what we're seeking to get. Of course, if it's wanting more of him, more of godliness, that doesn't apply because we're wanting exactly what he wants us to have. In the end, what we're looking for to become more like him, to become closer to him. And I don't want to be in a place where I'm holding on tighter to something than to God himself. Our focus is on asking and how we receive. Seems pretty important how we ask. It seems pretty important what we actually ask for. I think as we come back into worship, this is a time when God is calling us to be utterly dependent upon him in our asking, not having a plan B, being focused on him rather than just what we're asking for, expecting to receive, being encouraged to receive a greater measure of godliness. I know this comes by revelation. I know that it's what God wants us to have because we read it together. We read it together a number of times. We read it together, together again today. Ask, shall be given. Everybody that asks.